0: And welcome to another edition of Talking Foosball Extra. This one's going to be a little different. It's not Nick Vildhagen, as you can hear. It's Mr. Matt Herman. It's me. What we have in store today is uh, a little expansion from uh, some of the stuff that we talked about on the weekend in Talking Foosball Direct. We're going to talk in more depth about Ricardo Pepe, the man of the hour, at least for uh, North American Bundesliga watchers. One of the biggest money moves in the history of MLS, moving for something like 16, 17, 18 million euros from FC Dallas over to FC Augsburg. He, of course, had his debut over the weekend in a uh, 3-1 loss to Hoffenheim. Maybe better things are in the future. The person who I want to bring on today is a soccer writer who has been watching Ricardo Pepe ever since there was a Ricardo Pepe as a professional soccer player. He is John Arnold. He writes the excellent Get CONCACAFed substack. He also covers FC Dallas for the Striker Texas. And I thought I would start off by asking him what Bundesliga fans should expect from this young American wunderkind.
1: I think when I look at Ricardo Pepe and when I've seen the steps that he's taken, I do find a player who, it's not analytics. It's not not something that comes out in the data. It's an intangible, which I know is not necessarily in vogue and sexy, and we can get into the analytics as well. But I see a player who I'm yet to see run into the ceiling. There have been multiple moments throughout Pepe's career where I've thought, He's gonna have trouble adapting, and he hasn't. And that doesn't mean, of course, that the same will be true in the Bundesliga. That doesn't mean he's gonna start bashing in goals for Augsburg. But I do think it can be encouraging for fans of that club that he really hasn't been able to be stopped in a lot of ways. You know, he started in, as you mentioned, in the USL League One, this this affiliate club for FC Dallas. You could think of it as FC Dallas B. Uh, you know, European fans can probably understand that parallel. And scored a hat-trick in his first game. And won a championship in his first season there. Then he jumps up to FC Dallas. He's getting kind of sporadic minutes. He doesn't necessarily break into the first team, but scores big goals, scores in the MLS playoffs. Then he comes in the ne- this this past season, eventually wins a starting job, becomes the youngest player in MLS to score a hat-trick gets named an all-star, I think, wow, that's a pretty big stage for this kid, especially because it's Mexico versus MLS in this all-star game, which is a friendly, it's an exhibition, it doesn't have any sort of real importance, but at the same time, the lights are on, right? It's the spotlight. And everyone's talking about his national team decision because he's a Mexican-American kid. He went to camps on both sides of the border, played for Mexico's youth team, played for the U.S. youth teams, and he made his decision that week they got announced. It got, you know, sources were telling people, myself included, hey, he's, he's, he's going with the U.S. And so it's just the big center of attention. And then he was kind of the, 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 the star of the skills competition this sort of day before, made for TV spectacle. He's the guy who everyone was laughing. He, he had a funny incident with a Mexican goalkeeper. And then in the game he plays, he hits the winning penalty. And then he made, gets the U.S. national team call-up. And he scores in his debut there. So it's a guy who, you know, I guess he didn't score in his debut this time around, so that could be something where you say, ah, maybe he's going to struggle with the step up, but intangibly, I would say he's a player who's yet to, to find the moment where the pressure is too great. On the field, he's a forward who loves scoring goals. You can see his physicality. You can see he has the tools. He's a guy who... I would say links up almost surprisingly well. I guess in the way of a modern number nine, because it kind of has the build of a, a traditional number nine. You know that, that player who just sits in the box and looks for headers. But I think he could improve in the air. I think he could improve with his head. I uh, think he's a really good finisher. Has a great you know nose for goal. But I think that's one area he could improve. And not mentioning he has the physicality, but also the actual physical element. You know, I think that he'll want to get in the gym. I think that he'll want to learn even more how to use the big frame that he has. Maybe build out a little bit. I think that will make him more dangerous against Bundesliga defenders and and top European defenders that he'll be facing. So he's a player who has a lot of great things about him, both in terms of what he's done so far and and kind of his mentality, his hunger. Uh, and and I think a player that you look at and you say, man, that's a whole lot of money, but at the same time. It's possible he can back it, so uh, I'm excited by the move. Just as someone who's been able to get to know Pepe a little bit, been able to get to know his family a little bit, you know, doing profiles and pieces during the years, and and you know, we'll see how he develops because he's not the finished product. But I think in some ways that should be exciting for fans as well. That this kid is just now turning 19 this month, and he's already scored a lot of professional goals and already been in some pretty big moments.
0: Yeah, I think as you mentioned, it's really only been about two and a half years of professional soccer for him. I mean, in that North Texas is – it's kind of professional. But you have gotten to sort of see his journey as, as a you know soccer writer working out of Dallas, which is where he's playing. How did you first hear about him? Do you have any memories of the first time or first few times you saw him play or, or maybe one particular moment where you kind of pricked up your ears and thought, huh, this guy – might go to the top.
1: Yeah, I I would say, you know, I covering FC Dallas, the appetite around the club unfortunately is not as fanatical as a Bundesliga club and even as most other MLS clubs. There's not a huge amount of interest and the club is based in a, a suburb about 40 minutes from the city proper uh, and they haven't necessarily been a marketing juggernaut. So that said, I'm not at Academy Games, to, but covering the team, you hear this kid's the real deal. Uh, this kid scored goals in the DA game, that the kind of uh, youth development games. This kid's, and so you know, I heard his name then, and then he became the first signing for that North Texas club when FC Dallas launched it, their quote unquote B team, and that's when I started to say, okay, look, you know, look, this kid, he's young, but he clearly has something, right? And and then he ended that debut in USL where he scored a hat trick. You can go back on YouTube and find it. It's not necessarily an impressive hat trick. Now, I've never scored a professional hat trick. I don't think you have either, Matt, I don't Guilty know. Guilty is charged. But yeah, maybe it's diminishing to say, ah, oh, it's not an impressive hat trick because it's a professional hat trick. But, you know, you look at the goals and there's like some defender errors and there's some, you know, tap in was included. But at the same time, he's a teenager scoring a hat trick. So that's the first time I went out and said, Hey, I'm gonna interview this kid and chatted with him. So Uh, That was a big moment, I think, where you saw that, hey, this kid is is not just getting pumped up because this is a club that has a lot of talented young players. This is a kid who is doing something on a different level. Uh, And then once he was with the first team, I think the the goal in the playoffs, which again was sort of like a scrappy goal. The ball comes off the post and he's there. This is an extra time against Portland in in the playoffs last year. I think that was a big moment where you saw that this kid wasn't going to shy away from anything. This year, the big breakout moment was the hat trick. Uh, I mean, he had been kind of fighting for that first uh, first team designated starter spot and hadn't really won it. Part of that is because the guy that he took the job off of makes a whole lot of money. Uh, Frank Ojada is SC Dallas' highest paid player by far. But once Pepe kind of started getting opportunities, it became pretty clear that no matter how much money this guy was making in front of him, he needed to be the one who started So... I think that's the moment that that really stands out is that hat trick against the LA Galaxy this summer, where you thought it's not just that this guy needs to be starting for FC Dallas. This guy is made for bigger things. So there have been several moments, like I said, where you're just like, man, like this kid is just dealing with the pressure. And, and you know, people like me putting expectations on him because you know you write a story and say this guy's the best forward FC Dallas has ever had, maybe. And you know, there's other guys you can name. Las Perez, Jason Christ, guys who have names in the CONCACAF region, but you know, there is pressure that comes with that, and he's, he's really never shied away, so I think the hat trick was the big breakout this year, but I, I remember hearing about him from the time that he became a professional when he started with North Texas, and a little bit even before that, you know, people saying, ah, oh, this guy's doing big things in, in these youth tournaments, so he definitely is a familiar name for Epsi Dallas fans, and I think there is, even though, like I said, the club is not as well-supported as it should be, the club is not as well-supported as Bundesliga clubs and other clubs. You know, there is a, a beautiful bond that he has with the supporters because the supporters that that are supporting FC Dallas are truly supporting F C Dallas, right? Through the thick and the thin, only nine thousand other people are out there at a game or whatever. And there they are, right? So you, you do build a very deep connection with these players because they're literally recognizing people in the crowd, right? So uh, I think that, you know, he posted a message on on Twitter kind of saying, hey, you know, always be FC Dallas, always remember you guys. And and I think that that comes from a quite genuine place because he has built that bond uh, from – coming up every single rung of the club, and now and now moving on to bigger, and I think everyone here locally hopes better things.
0: It's interesting you bring up FC Dallas's sort of character within MLS, being a, a club that's maybe not blessed with the best location. I mean, Frisco doesn't really set the heart alight. And they don't have the biggest attendance averages, <laughs> but they have by far the best track record when it comes to producing talent who have gone on to bigger things. I mean, not just Pepe, but Chris Richards, Weston, McKinney, mm. Justin Che, Brian Reynolds. The list actually goes on and on. Players who are playing at, at high profile leagues in Europe. What do you think it says about the way that that club conceives of itself? And should we expect that to be a uh, something that goes on in the future. I mean, I know they have their ties with Bayern, and they're a very outward-looking club in terms of, of what they want their players to do.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and I think your audience will be interested in the kind of relationship that FC Dallas has with Bayern because clearly, you know, Ricardo Pepe has trained at Bayern before, as have eight or... 10, or I don't know what the number is, but almost a dozen other young players. Maybe it's even more than that by now. But I think FC Dallas fans have been sort of right to say, well, what the heck do we get out of this? Okay, Chris Richards gets sold to Bayern, which is cool, but he played zero first team games for FC Dallas, right? Ricardo Pepe goes to the Bundesliga and people will enjoy watching him. At least he played more than a season with FC Dallas and was the leading scorer this year. And you know but i think fans have kind of rightly said hey well, what's the score here what's our goal here as as you know what's the the front office's goal and you continue to hear them say that they want to win mls cup and yet the best way to win mls cup is probably to keep Reggie Cannon for another year, to keep Brian Reynolds for another year, to keep Ricardo Pepe for another year or two years, right? Sometimes the player wants to go. I think the time was right for this Pepe move. But you know, there are definitely the mentality is a selling club, and then you hear leadership for FC Dallas kind of draw parallels with teams like Ajax, with teams like Benfica or Porto, these kind of selling clubs in Europe that that do exist. However, those Clubs also lift trophies. Those clubs also win championships. And I think that's the part that FC Dallas fans are rightly saying, hey, this is this is still missing. It's a new era, I would say, with FC Dallas because you have a new coach. And it's the first time since the 90s that FC Dallas has hired a coach that's not, quote unquote, within the family, that hasn't either, even either been promoted from the academy system, which has produced so many great players, or was, in the case of one coach, the college coach of one of the owners. So there's always been this closeness to the coach, between the coach and ownership. And now the new coach, Nico Estevez, his background is Valencia's youth system and the U.S. national team, with a stop in Columbus and MLS as well. And I think the fact that he has no real relationship with the Hunts who own the club, other than I'm your coach that you hired, brings an interesting dynamic because I think he can be more demanding. He can call more shots. He can say this high-paid forward I don't think he's good and I'm not going to play him. Now, I don't think that's going to be the tacky takes with this specific case. But I guess you have an emboldened coach in a way that you maybe haven't ever before. So all that to say, in the grand scheme of things, I think their development has been extremely impressive and worthy of praise, right? You know, if fans are simply Bundesliga fans, yeah, you've seen Weston McKinney go to Schalke. You've seen all these guys go over to Bayern, and now you're seeing Ricardo Pepi to Austria. It's like, what the heck's in the water there? But they've done a really good job of bringing talent. It's already fertile ground. There's, Texas is a big-time soccer state. There's a huge passion for the game here. There's an interesting mix of culture between the Latino soccer supporters, which you see so, so many of in the, in the population, and a white community that a lot of kids grow up playing soccer as well. Clint Dempsey's a great example of that, uh, one of the best, in my opinion, the best United States national team player of all time, grew up you know, he's a white guy but grew up on the fields playing against these Mexican dads, you know, or, or, or younger guys who are just really good players who had that technical ability combined with the sort of athletic quote unquote tradition that maybe the US soccer player has exported in the past. And I think you get this blend of a very interesting and very complete player where you have the athletic side and the technical side. And when they get into the FC Dallas Academy, no matter their racial background, no matter their their playing history, they're getting a different style of play than maybe in other parts of the US. Uh, not that those blends don't exist in places like Southern California and and other regions of the country, but I think it, it is it is a unique place in that sense. But FC Dallas has done a fantastic job of capitalizing, investing in youth coaching, investing in the academy. You know, they say that every dollar produced from transfer fees goes back into the club then they don't sign big-time players for the first team. So it's always just kind of assumed that, hey, that's paying the academy salary or that's paying the travel budget for the United team or whatever it is. The investment has been quite impressive. I think that fans would really like to see a blend strategy where those players still get produced and maybe they have to get sold, and that's the nature of the economics of the sport right now. But at the same time, I think fans would enjoy winning some games and actually competing for MLS Cup, which FC Dallas ownership says is the ultimate goal. So I guess that's kind of like a thumbnail, and and I hope people can understand that, like, you know, what the impression I get from the FC Dallas supporters is that it's frustrating. Yes, you're proud of these guys that you export, but also you want to win trophies. Interesting. Hmm.
0: So I guess there's some prestige and some monetary value to being, you know, hugged up. With Byron, but it doesn't help you win that much in this case.
1: Yeah, and I think COVID has derailed some of the ideas that they had. You know, Byron. I can't remember if it was Bayern B or U19. One of the youth clubs came over here and played friendly. I think that they were planning to do that. I think they were planning to do something similar to what you've seen a couple of clubs that have this kind of partner role do and have some of the younger players maybe get loaned to FC Dallas. I think the pandemic has sort of derailed some of those plans. And look, like is there something to be gained if it is one-way traffic, right? If it is simply FC Dallas giving Bayern an opportunity to sign these players and for those players to have the opportunity to go over and train – yeah, I think FC Dallas still gets a benefit from that, right? Like, if I'm trying to woo an academy player, a young talent to sign with FC Dallas, and I say, listen, man, you show well this year for our U19 team, and you know we'll send you over to Bayern to train for a month, I mean, that, that gets the eyes wide, right? So I do think that even if there's no quote-unquote benefit coming back from Bavaria to FC Dallas… It's fine, but, but I do think the fans kind of wonder a little bit about the partnership. You know, could there be more that's getting gained there? I think that like I said, the pandemic has derailed some things. but uh, maybe we'll see more of that in the future that, that kind of the way the partnership was intended to work before. Uh, the world changed, uh, unfortunately, for the worse.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it because I, I feel like the prestige of the academy has already started to pay off a bit. I mean, <laughs> players like Pepe or like Chris Richards, these are not Dallas guys. They chose to come and sort of – Pin their future to FC Dallas because they know that this academy has something good going on. So, yeah,
1: that's that's very true. When you look at Pepe, you know, I spoke with his father, and they had an opportunity to take him to Mexico as well. You know, multiple opportunities from top top Mexican clubs. And I think this moment, this sale to a club like Augsburg, you know, you don't hear many Mexican players getting that opportunity. I cover the Mexican league as well. This is something I talk about probably far too much. But you know, Mexican clubs are not in a selling mode generally. Where FC Dallas, the only mode they know is selling. So. So I think that that's something where these ambitious young kids and their and their families who say, "Look, we might be able to make a career out of this," you know, they definitely have that kind of proof of concept. And now even more so at Pepe, you know, El Paso. You probably your closest, your best US Academy is 100% FC Dallas, even though it's quite far drive. I actually just made it the other day. Uh, I'm sorry, but like <laughs> al- yeah, yeah, uh, but like Alabama, where Chris Richards is from, and, and actually Tanner Testament as well from that region. Uh, another player from the FC Dallas kind of talent line who's over at Venezia now. You know they did make that choice, and Richards even was in is in Houston for a while, kind of wanting to link up with uh, with a bigger academy in, in South Texas, and just didn't happen. And then the current former North Texas coach who coached Pepe, Eric Quill, brought him in, brought Chris Richards in, and that's how that whole kind of transfer situation started. So, you know, 100 percent like you're saying, Matt. I mean, you have this proof of concept where players want to join Dallas because they realize, hey, this could get me to the Bundesliga. Or this could get me to any European league. And, and I think that there's there's big value in that. And the partnership with Bayern is definitely part of the recruiting pitch.
0: You know, I know you started off by saying that you've never seen Ricardo Pepe sort of, I don't know, fall at whatever hurdle has been placed in front of him thus far. And that, that is quite impressive. I, I get that impression. How sold are you, though, on this particular move? I mean, for people who are watching him be courted by various clubs, I mean, I think all of us know that FC Augsburg kind of got into this at a fairly late stage. It looked quite likely for a while that he was going to go to Wolfsburg, if not there, maybe to some place like Ajax or, you know, any number of the other places that were being mentioned. I find this move a little strange, mostly because Augsburg has not been very ambitious on the transfer market in the past. I mean, you know, (laughs) to put it kind of in MLS terms, imagine if like, the Rapids or the Whitecaps uh, were breaking the bank on this big name DP. Like, it's just never yeah. going to happen. So, like, to me, when I heard he was going to FC Augsburg, I mean, initially, I was just stunned. I didn't understand how this even came together. I didn't know if they had this kind of money. I know they have this American investor that maybe has some, some influence on this. But, like, is there anything about this move that seems a little iffy or maybe – not the right sort of constellation to you.
1: I would say that I think the most important thing for Pepe was to find a place he can play. It's a World Cup year. He needs minutes. He needs to score. And I think even if it's against you know, tougher competition, actually all the better, right? Even if he struggles at this moment, you ideally could get, you know, some sort of rhythm by summer and then you you come into the World Cup in, in good form. That's if the the United States qualifies. I'm sure many listeners are knocking on wood uh, <laughs> because that didn't happen last time. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but uh, U.S. was not at the last World Cup, which was unfortunate for U.S. fans. I, I think, in a way, it is a weird move because first you were hearing, oh, it's it's you know it's Bayern, it's Liverpool, it's these enormous clubs, and Pepe himself kind of said, I'd love to go to Real Madrid. You know, that's that's kind of his dream destination, apparently. But at the same time, I think a move like that would have been not disastrous but that's not the right move you know that, that's not the right move at the right time because he needs these minutes you know way more about augsburg but you know the fact that he comes in immediately four days or whatever after signing up seems to indicate to me that this is a club that that needs peppy they need goals they need someone to put them in and and i think that's a good situation for him to be in the pressure's on again i think that the price tag adds some of the pressure the timing like i said you know it, it is a year where you can't take a step back too far because he wants to be in this world cup picture at the same time i know from speaking with him and speaking with people in this camp that he wanted to take the step that he wanted to be challenged he wanted to face top competition and he's going to do that here right so i think this is a big opportunity for him to to refine some of those points in his game i was mentioning that perhaps aren't totally polished yet it is a little weird the club right because it just kind of did seem to come out of nowhere both with the transfer market and just in general Uh, but at the same time you know, in a way, Pepe knows that, right? Like he knows FC Dallas is not the marquee club in MLS and El Paso is not the marquee city in the United States. And I think he's kind of used to being this kind of uh, guy who's punching up and, you know, there's, there's going to be some motivation there, I think, to to say, Hey, this is the right move. This is the right place. And yeah, if it goes well, a desire to move out quickly, right? I, I don't necessarily, you know, Nobody's signing for Augsburg with respect. Nobody's signing for Augsburg saying this is my lifelong dream, right? It's Real Madrid or it's Liverpool or it's Barcelona or whatever. But uh, that is the ultimate goal. And I think in that sense, it makes sense to see this as a stepping stone opportunity. For FC Dallas, I had always heard and I kind of wrote, you know, sources had told me that 20 million USD was what they were kind of holding out for. So the fact that this offer came I think, you know, my understanding is that FC Dallas would have liked to keep him for another year, see him at the World Cup and move him on from there. But when somebody hits your asking price, I mean, you don't really care if it's Augsburg or if it's, uh, you know, whoever, any, any other club in the world, you get the cash, right? So I think it kind of worked out for everyone in the offseason. We'll have to see how it works out for Pepe and for Augsburg. Like I said, you know, fingers crossed in Dallas, because I think people do take pride in their alumni. And look, like Pepe, he's been a good dude. I mean, he's just a, he's a, he's a kid, right? But he's a good guy from what we can glean. And it's easy to root for the local guy who's a good dude, who's not being rude, who's not doing bad things. Seems like he's been quite focused. Seems like he wants to to, to score goals, to be a great soccer player. And, and I think people in Dallas and in Texas want to see that happen. So there definitely will be a lot more Augsburg jerseys than we've ever seen around Dallas-Fort Worth. That's for sure. I appreciate the uh, new partnership with the U.S.-based retailers. Some of that stuff looks pretty nice. So I, I think we're going to see some some new Augsburg fans for sure in Texas. But yeah, we weren't expecting to say that sentence a month ago or even a couple weeks ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if they can stay in the league and hang on to Pepe for you know another season at least, they're going to make some inroads. It'll, it'll happen fast for them. Yeah, I mean, he's got 16 games left. I can't imagine he won't feature in all of them if he is healthy. Their front line is not good. So, uh, yeah. If he gets, you know, five or six goals in that time, that would be a spectacular return in my book.
1: No, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, it's possible, right? I will say, like, we, you know, I, I kind of glossed over the fact that, like, my I started with intangibles, right? The analytics, the, the, the deep, deep dive numbers don't love them. They don't love him. They're not or, or maybe they're not convinced by him, right? Like, you know, his he was outperforming some of his projections. You know, he was he's making shots that maybe he shouldn't have made or that should have been saved, those sorts of things. So I, I think there is that little bit of a doubt where you look at the numbers and you say, Ooh, twenty million, and then you look at the, you know, XG situation and some of the bigger, you know, the the more advanced numbers that I I do understand, but it's easier to, to look at on a sheet of paper than hear it explained on a podcast. <laughs> and I'm maybe not the best explaining them. Some of those numbers are not, are not amazing. So I think he, again, has to kind of prove himself there. But like I said, every time, every stage, it's like, uh, yeah, this is where he's going to hit his limit. And it just hasn't happened. So I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see what happens because I do think there is a question mark. It's not a slam dunk, but I don't know that there is a slam dunk in the transfer market in general, but certainly You know, these days where there's a kind of plethora of players available from a plethora of places and and kind of no perfect fit, right? So uh, we'll see. I think people in Texas will for sure be watching. Hopefully they'll be listening to you, Matt, see what you have to say about Augsburg. I guess you'll have to add in a few more segments than you typically do, but uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: Oh, it's no problem at all. I was on board the peppy hype train as much as anybody come on <laughs> <laughs>
1: whenever we see you in one of those sweaters man we'll know it's a full transition the uh the, the augustbury those sweaters look look nice i i like those the jersey i'm not convinced by. <laughs>
0: yeah they they're not a team that boasts the best of uh you know sort of on pitch fashion i have to say they've got room to improve
1: what's the town like i've i've watched union berlin's forest stadium and obviously like bayern and like that's kind of my my reference for bundesliga is either mega club or like hipsters choice i mean obviously like you know yellow wall like does augsburg have like a, a what's the vibe
0: i couldn't tell you man that's down south stuff like <laughs> I, I lived in in western germany and eastern germany and like i barely ever went i've been to Munich a couple times so i've never been to augsburg
1: so we'll find out together i wish i could say well hey if the pandemic clears up quickly, then maybe we'll be making a trip together. We can we can see if we can get Pepe uh, chatting and uh, and see if we can tell people in the future what the vibe is. What's Augsburg like?
0: Spectacular. <laughs> All right, John, Arnold, thanks for taking a little bit of time to talk with uh, us here on Talking Foosball.
1: My pleasure, Matt. Take care, man.
0: All right, if you want more of John Arnold, you can find him on Twitter at Arnold, John. You can read his work on The Striker Texas as well as his Substack, Get Concacaft. We'll be speaking with you in just a couple of days, or at least JT and Flo will, on talking foosball fantasy. Best to make some Nixon Mall, y'all.